Everyone knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker, poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, and Joe Costello, our good friend who is uh, hosting the sh- host- and joins the show from time to time. Of course, he uh, gets us on the air, and we are back again with another show today. Uh, lots of things to talk about. Uh, we'll get to some of the what is the usual topics, uh, how COVID affects the poker world. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on that today, but uh, we also have the Polk-Negranu match. We'll give you an update on that. Uh, another big match going on at the same time. There's a couple of these that have been on. We saw Helmuth play uh, Esfandiari, and this is really kind of our uh, major poker entertainment right now online and on uh, video. So, uh, But the other one that's going on right now is Phil Galfond has a uh, something called the Galfond Challenge has had uh, matches with different people. And right now he is playing Chance Corneth. And uh, there was a really an unbelievable hand that uh, we want to talk about a little bit. So we'll get to that tonight. Uh, we've been going back and forth with Jonathan Little's strategy, and he has a nice article online um, encouraging people not to raise with top pair, you know, every time. So, uh, you know, I think, I think the, uh, the novice player or the, people beginning uh you know to try to improve in poker you know if you you're holding a king whatever king jack king nine and and a king comes on the flop a lot of times you're just playing very aggressively on that and he said that's not always the best idea (laughs) i i agree wholeheartedly (laughs) we'll uh, talk about some of that uh we'll talk about some local poker rooms i guess we'll start there uh i have uh, been visiting a couple recently i was down at casino miami where joe is working but not working uh right now but uh, i'm gonna be doing a little highlight down there and i took a look at the room and the uh william hill race book which at some point may uh evolve into the william hill sports book if uh the people ever get uh smart and bring that into florida but right now it's a race book and a nice nice setup there uh it was a corner that uh they just had a lot of machines and maybe did some entertaining and stuff like that over there but uh um still the good size for your poker room there uh and uh the, basically uh the player bank games kind of dominate the action yeah i mean th- those games right now have really taken off in the state of florida and um, amazing the amount of action that on certain days that we have in there. I mean, you know, people are betting some serious, serious cash on some of these games. Yeah. Uh, they're starting high live in the first week in December. I'm going to do a couple of days down there. And uh, the one thing I noticed was they had about three or four tables going. And I don't think any of them were full. So I guess people come and go. You uh, probably open tables when it's crowded, and then people leave, and you have a lot of. What, six, what do you mean by not full? I don't understand. Yeah, five or six-handed games. That's well. The is that normal? We have, yeah, that's the, most places down here are six or seven. Oh, it handed. is six. Okay, well, six or seven-handed. So it was and you got people that. who get up. Yeah, because we try to spread them apart, so it does look like there's less people at the table. Uh, remember, there's no smoking allowed in, in the in the casinos down here. So, you know, 
poker, a lot of the poker players that play in my room are smokers, so they'll step out to use the, the bathroom. Uh, the other thing down here in South Florida, you know, the, the nature of the beast, Dave, is if, uh, if there is a very high, high hand posted, uh, let's say, for instance, a straight flush to the 10 or jack, People, people will wait. People will get up. People will get up because you know, like I like to tell a lot of people, you know, uh, our two four games. Uh, when I broke into this business, you play two four to make some money. You know, you 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 could make a couple of hundred dollars a day if you played it the proper way. Uh, down here in our room and in a lot of other rooms, it's we're playing bingo poker right now, Dave. So they're trying to put in the least amount of money that they can to chase the high hand, you know, the bingo is the high hand. And um, when someone does post it, it's funny because we used to be able to tell when Hialeah had a big hand because Hialeah opens their room an hour before us and they have a $1,500 high hand uh, promotion that goes till 12. But for, I, I believe they've changed it now, but there used to be one winner. So if someone posted a straight flush to the queen or, or God forbid, a royal, it killed their whole room and everybody would come over to our room. Right, right. <laughs> They'd uh, start running to the other rooms to try to see if they could cash in on the high hand somewhere else. Let me ask you this. If uh, a table drops to, uh, say, three or four players even, can somebody say, listen, I, I want to get up and join that other table that only has five? Yeah, you, well, they could say that. Uh, that doesn't mean we're going to allow them. If they break a table, you know, uh, we try to save the table by giving a reduced rake and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but if it comes to a point where, you know, they don't want to play three-handed, four-handed, uh, and there are one or two seats left, um, they draw for cards. And the top, the two highest cards, or let's assume there's two seats and four players. Well, uh, the top two highest card people who draw cards uh will go into those two seats and then the next highest card is the first person to come in once on an available seat and so on and so forth what have you noticed about the quality of play there uh, a lot of fish a lot of you know maybe a handful of players that are taking advantage of the situation making a lot of money there's there's no way for anybody to make money playing two four, Dave. Yeah. There's just it's just all those games are two four? And, and, and just about every single one of them is yeah. a two four. Some of them okay. some of them are two, two four, four limit. Uh, uh, Omaha. Yeah. Uh you know, um we did have a really nice game that originated way down south. Uh you know, they these players uh were playing down at King's Court where you also yeah. announced yeah. some games and it was a three six Sometimes they'll play at four, eight Omaha. Um, I don't know if they were playing Omaha high or high low. I don't remember now, but you know, you were looking at the way I, you know, the way that game was played when I used to deal it in private games, 20 plus 25, 30 years ago. Um, you know, nowadays I love it because Dave, you know, I know that when you play poker, you play to, to play and win some money when, you know, winning the pots. And if you run into a high hand, that's, extra gravy you know icing icing on the cake now when all you do is play for the high hand and i love listening to everybody oh i've already put in eighty dollars a hundred dollars and i keep telling them you know if you're constantly putting in three to four dollars into the pot just to chase the high hand and you don't play your hands that you can make money on that you could try to make thirty forty dollars in this hand 
I go, if you don't hit a high hand, there's absolutely no way in the world that you can win money. Absolutely none. Well, if that's the situation, then you you have to take that into account with the way you play, knowing that people are just staying in the hands with with complete crap. But yeah, but it's not that they're staying in the hands. You obviously need partners, and I use the word partners in quotation, because uh, just like in our room, you have to have twelve dollars minimum in the in the pot to oh, qualify okay. for a high hand. I see. Okay, so you know we had to disqualify. I mean. I'm at home, but my staff has been calling me and I've had to tell them disqualify that hand because they'll, they'll call the $2 blind. As you well know, the blinds are one, two, two people. If there's only two people calling the blinds, they're checking it down the whole way. Now, all of a sudden somebody falls into a high hand because the turn in the river came, you know, uh, perfect for them. Now they want to jump up and they look at the other guy and go, I want to, you know, here's my $4 bet. Call me, call me. That's collusion. They don't get paid. You know, um, it, it, it's the stupidity that these, it, it amazes me, to be honest with you, how stupid so many of them are, you know, and, and how stupidly they play not only the game, but then they get upset because of this. And I tell them, listen, play the game the way it was meant to be played. Right. And here, and here's the other, the other flip side of that. When, certain players do play the game the way it's supposed to be played. The other morons get upset because these people are actually betting into them. You know, they think it's just, we got to put in the absolute minimum and see if somebody runs into the high hand. And what you find these people doing now, Dave, is they're making partnerships. Like, let's say the three of us right here, I'm looking at you and Joe on the screen. And I, we walk you, we all walk in. I go, Hey, Joe, Here's 20, the signal. Twenty percent. No, no, not a signal because you, you're. Let's say we're all playing on different tables. We could be playing at the same, but all of a sudden I go, "Hey, Dave, Joe, twenty percent or ten percent." You understand? Oh, wow. So if you hit a thousand dollar, like like on our big promotion one, if you hit the big one, it's eleven hundred dollars. So, you know, we're we're gonna give you. If I win it, I'm gonna give you and Joe a hundred or hundred and ten dollars each. If you hit it, you're going to give Joe and myself $110 each. And yeah. how, do you, how do you stop that? You don't. You don't. What The people who pay the price on that are the dealers. Yeah. Because instead of the dealer getting tipped a little extra, they, you know, the excuse is, oh, well, I have partners. I have partners. Now, there's nothing, there is nothing illegal about that as far as that is concerned. Um, if it's at the same table and obviously you're looking at, at – you know, uh, signals, you know, things that are out of the ordinary, you're going to, you're going to have your hand disqualified. And, um, you know, and in other places, Dave, this is something we've, I don't think we've ever talked about in, in, on our show. And it happens a whole lot down here in the South Florida because of the amount of money for the high hands, but people selling their high hands. Have you? Did you ever hear about that? No, no. Oh, no. Let me let me educate you really good. And it happened a whole lot, especially back when five hundred dollars an hour was a lot of money. Let's just say you hit a uh, four aces with a queen kicker. All right, that's your high hand. It's posted on the board. If it holds up, you get five hundred dollars. Okay. Let's assume there's twenty minutes to go before you know you qualify for it. There are people that are going to come up to you and say, hey, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $400 for it right now. 
I'll give you 400, 450. They'll negotiate 300. You understand? These are people that are there to buy the high hand. Wow. So what happens is if that high hand, they pay you the money right then and there, you accept that deal, you take that money right then and there. Then they the get mad hand, when a great flush comes on the board. Well, if the high hand gets beat, you collected your money, they're out that money. It's an it's like it's it's like shorting or going long in the stock market. You're you're buying you're buying the hand based on the probability of yeah. you know uh, the like, amount of time. It's like an AC Ducey game. Well, yeah. Well, you're saying to yourself, "Hey, do do I think it's going to hold up?" I've seen people pay four hundred and seventy-five dollars to for a five hundred dollar high hand with 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 literally four, five, six minutes left in the high hand, just to make those twenty-five dollars because wow. they don't believe that that hand can get beat. And I have seen it get snapped off right at the right, you know, <laughs> right, right at the wire, you know. That's, so that's pretty much stupidity. That's what they call selling, selling the the high hand. You yeah. understand? So, and that's a practice that I had never seen in my life until, <laughs> until many years ago, yeah. when the money became significant enough for people to. I mean, I, I'm telling you, there were people making a living off of that. There was a two guys in my room back in 2012, Dave, that on average you know, outside of the days that they got beat at the very end, were making three, $400 buying high hands. Jeez. They would actually compete with each other, you know, and the, and the players now, the big problem is you have to stick around because I have to pay you that money and then you have to turn around and give it to them. Yeah. Now, I was always ex- anticipating somebody once, and which did happen in our room, somebody sold their high hand. They actually sold it to two different people. <laughs> and then left. They knew that both of those people would be stepping out of the room. The high hand hit. They collected the money and they got the hell out of Dodge. So not only did they take the money from the from the from our room from us, but they also took money from those players. Yeah. Now, obviously, we never saw that person again because he'd be looking to get a real good ass kicking from from one or both of these guys. But this is stuff that happens in the poker world today down here in South Florida. To say that I'm naive would be an understatement. <laughs> no idea that was going on. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's talk about some other rooms. Uh, I did get a chance on the way home from uh, Miami, uh, Casino Miami last week or the other day. Actually, it was earlier this week. Um, I stopped at Calder. I had heard the rumor finally this week that Calder was planning on reopening their card room. Um, I was shocked to hear that. I didn't expect it. But... Uh, you know they've been they've been doing some horse racing over there for Gulfstream and what's called Gulfstream West. Gulfstream does not have their poker room open, uh, so I went over to Calder and uh, you know just kind of asked around a little bit. There was no official word, but some people said they had heard it was opening and they knew that it was going to be in an area right up near the track side of the building, uh, which was all uh, curtained off and you couldn't really see what was going on in there. But I have heard uh, some rumors about who's going to run the room and that sort of thing. So um, I had heard that it was going to be early in December, but some people told me, no, they thought it was probably not till after the first of the year. And Well, and again, you and I discussed this uh, earlier this week. Um, I'm, I'm really surprised that they're not going to put it in the casino, which they had original plans for that before yeah. before whatever clerical error they made that had to have them shut this thing off. Um, you know, bringing poker players into the casino floor, um, 
going back to to the Calder again, I thought they would have it in that little corner that they were originally going to put it in once they they you know took it out of the the main stand, main grandstand. Um, but to me, Dave, I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, you know, they're opening up at probably the worst time for it. Yeah, uh, you know, even though people are saying, uh, "Oh, yeah, well, Gulfstream doesn't have poker and and so on and so forth," but uh, we're limited to the amount of players, the yeah. tables because of social distancing that we have to continue. Um, I don't understand it. I mean, they're going to have to come in strong. Uh, you know, I hurt them big time. You know, back in 2012, uh, and they've got the Hard Rock, which is what 10 minutes away from there. Big day. Right. Yes. So, you know, they're, they're almost going to be like a Dania. You know, Dania right now is it's in the middle of the lion's den, you know, uh, on, the, on the northeast side. Calder's going to be on the uh, southwest side, <laughs> going to be between Hialeah, yeah. uh, Big Easy, the Hard Rock. I mean, it's, I, I don't understand it, but, you know, best well, from, of luck. From what you're seeing, obviously the Seminole Hard Rock's probably the answer to this question, but who do you hear is doing extremely well right now with poker? Extremely well? Yeah. Uh, like you just mentioned, the Hard Rock's. What about. No uh, one knows what they're What about doing. Uh, Big Easy? Big Easy. Big Easy, but Big Easy is only raking $3 max. Yeah. So, you know, um, I don't believe that they have any social distancing rules uh, as far as. Uh, tables in Broward no. uh, you'd have to tell me but I don't believe they have to go through what we've done over here so you know well they um, have they have the uh the plexiglass at Hard Rock and the Coconut Creek still well whatever whatever they're doing over there they're they're still generating a lot of business over there um but if you look if you look you know on Bravo Big Easy and the Hard Rock on busy days are looking at 15, 16 tables, 17 tables, you know, with the big easy maxing out at $3. Um, I haven't gotten online to see what their, you know, what their numbers are for the last few months. Um, you're very good at, at, at sur- surfing uh, that part of the web there. Cause every time I've tried to get on there, I can't get it, but right. I'd be very interested to see their numbers. Um, that's something that'd be really nice maybe for us to discuss next week on the show. Oh, okay. See those numbers from, from the, from all of the poker rooms. I know that Hialeah, Hialeah Magic City and ourselves over the last two months, uh, we've all been very close, very similar to, to the dollars that we're making, and... which was, which, which for us is great. You understand? Because Hialeah and Magic City are rooms that prior to the pandemic were generating Anywhere from six fifty to seven hundred thousand dollars in in revenue. Yeah. Um, so and and Hialeah had to take more money out of pocket to pay for their promotions than I'm sure Magic City had to. So yeah. Well, the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, the Isle Casino uh, in Poker Room, not doing particularly great. Uh, looks when I look on how many tables are going, it's usually fairly small. Uh, they have changed one thing. They have actually put up billboards because they are now the official. World Series of Poker uh, room down here. It used to be the Palm Beach Kennel Club, but since uh, the El Dorado uh, bought the aisle and then was taken over by uh, Caesars, uh, it is now the property for them to use as a uh, advertising device. So no longer Coconut Creek, huh? No. 
Okay, well, that should definitely help them a whole lot. But let me tell you, generating, they went from, you know, we discussed this earlier this week, Dave. They went from, it was the Isle and, and the Palm Beach Kennel Club for years and years and years as to who would be number one revenue. They, right. they were constantly both going over a million dollars a month in revenue. Uh, you know, our good friend Mike Smith, when he was running that room, you know, ran very successful tournaments. Uh, I believe his room, the Isle, was the first poker room in the state of Florida that ran a million-dollar guarantee poker tournament in the state of Florida. Uh, you know, uh, I know a cousin of mine who lives up there. He loved going up there for the tournaments. And, uh, again, you know, Mike Smith left. They brought in other managers. And whether it was their fault, the pandemic, I, you know, probably a combination of both. I think it's the former, to be honest. Well, well let me tell you something. That really sucks for you, for you to walk into those, you know, to walk into a successful room and, and, and you be the reason that it, that it stopped being successful. Yeah. And I hate this for the fact that the gentleman who's in charge now, uh, Vinny Gatto, is a great guy. And, uh, you know, I've worked with his father. I've worked with Vinny for, you know, many, many years ago. And, um, I'll be honest with you, when he got named the poker room manager or director, whatever you want to call him, I I thought he'd do great things there. I don't I don't know if his hands are tied or not. Yeah. Uh, the other one thing I wanted to mention nationally is Michigan, which is a very interesting case right now. Uh, there's been the talk of when are they going to reopen online poker. There was some talk that it might happen by Thanksgiving. Now that appears to be out of the question. Uh, basically because there's a lot of reviews going on with the legislature on the exact uh, operations and how they're going to run it. But the funny thing is, you know, not funny, but uh, because of COVID, they have actually closed the three casinos in Detroit, major casinos, the the uh, MGM Grand, Motor City, and Greektown in Detroit, all shut down uh, about a week ago. They, they, it was a three-week shutdown ordered by the governor, and they have completed the first week of the three. So they will not open again until at the earliest, December 8th. So there was an effort in the legislature to try to try to pick things up a little, get things done. It hasn't really happened. And now several um, legislators up in Michigan have contracted COVID. And uh, it's been a problem up there. And they don't plan on meeting now until uh, December sometimes. So uh, that hasn't happened. And uh, basically the people up there that want to play poker really can't unless they go to one of the Indian casinos. And there are quite a few of those that are still operating. Yeah. Well that, you know, <laughs> we, we have that down here with that 800 pound gorilla known as the hard rock, right. uh, you know, uh, here and, and throughout the state actually. Um, and they don't have to close. They they don't have to. Now, you know, to their credit, you know, back in March, both the, the Hard Rock and, or, you know, the, the Seminole properties uh, all closed down. Uh, so did the Miccosukee Indians, which, I'm, which I live very close to. Uh, but they both opened up. Miccosukee opened up before anybody here in the state of Florida. Um, you know, I don't want to say they didn't throw caution to the wind, but but, you know, they did open up before anybody else opened up. The Seminoles, uh, you know, at least followed the guidelines that the rest of us were in. But once once uh, Miami-Dade had to close down again and certain curfews went into effect, they 
they didn't go along with that. They, you know, they they've been doing business as you know as usual, obviously with a lot of precaution and you know and a lot of emphasis on safety. Uh, but um, you know, they don't have to follow our the guidelines of the state if they don't want to. Yeah. I don't know what kind of consequences they could face because of it, but you know, it doesn't seem to be anything that scares. Them, so. Well, just a note, uh, in October, Detroit casinos combined taking in $101 million in revenue and uh, resulted in $7.6 million in tax revenue for the state of Michigan. So they will be losing those kinds of numbers for the three weeks that they're shut. So this is, uh, this is not chump change. No, it's not. And, and also, you did say they have a lot of Indian casinos up there. Right. Um, are there casinos, their their paramutual quote casinos, like what you just said that are closed? Are they full blown casinos? Do you know if they're full blown casinos? In, in Detroit, they are. As far as the Indian ones, I'm not exactly sure about that. So the regular ones are full blown. They've got yes. dice. They got you yes. know they got craps, roulette, everything. Yes. Wow. Well, let me tell you, if that's the case, then the uh, the unless they made some sort of pact, which I seriously doubt. The Indian tribes up there would agree to any kind of a pact, being that their competitors have full blown casinos. They're not getting any uh, any revenue, you know, generating any revenue yeah. from them, like the state of Florida was doing with the Seminoles. Yeah, they say that uh, the the three Detroit casinos, if they're closed for the entire three weeks, they'll lose sixty seven million dollars. Well, hey, <laughs> at that's, least that's, at least that's that's. that's you know, I don't know what the numbers are for here in the state of Florida for the ones that had to close when we closed and throughout the country, Dave. I mean, numbers are soaring now. So are we going to see a shutdown again of, of, of casinos and poker rooms? I mean, the, you know, the magazine in, that you write for in Florida, I, I don't well, think not in Florida, Florida, but but in the, but but around the country. There's, yeah, there there's a lot. Of, there's California rooms have been closing. There's several rooms in different places. Yeah, uh, you got to realize that, you know, these places like Minnesota and uh, Wisconsin and the Dakotas and places like that never really had a serious outbreak in the beginning. And now all of a sudden it's their turn because they really just waved, uh, you know, the precautions off. Yeah, and they opened their borders, and people said, "Oh, nobody's got it over there. Let's go travel over there." And you know, yeah, exactly. And you know, now, now all the states that were had very low numbers are now, you know, yeah, are are, are in, a, in a state of panic. Well, at one point we were up over ten thousand several days in a row cases in the state of Florida, and we worked it down to maybe about three thousand. Now I just saw today we're up back up over eight thousand again. There's only seventy three deaths uh, yesterday, but you know, which is easy for me to say only. But uh, the point is, you know, even here the cases are going way up, and and while DeSantis says there's no way he's going to shut those kind of businesses down again, uh, you know, it could it could become a huge epidemic. Well, listen, I haven't, you know, you know that we have a new mayor here in Miami-Dade. Uh, right. You know, he meant his term doubt. Um, I don't know what, what, what she has said, uh, you know, whether, whether she's thinking of shutting down the casinos and restaurant businesses like he menaced. Did I here. don't think the governor will allow her to do that. Well, I think the governor isn't going to force somebody to close down. But he, I don't think he's going to prevent people from closing. Uh, I'm, not sure about, I'm not sure about that. I'm know? not sure about that. Because 
Jimenez, he didn't want us to close down. Jimenez is the one who had us all closed yeah. down down here. The right. local mayors didn't want to go through this, but yet the county mayor enforced it. Yeah. Joe, okay. go ahead, Joe. Yes, Joe uh, wants COVID, to say COVID, COVID correspondent Joe here diving in. It's, it's just that we're in a different phase right now. And we know a lot more than we knew back then. And so right, we sure. have a much better understanding of, of what is helpful and what is not helpful. So just the other day, there was a big story about a place called The Wharf in Fort Lauderdale. Right. And you don't need to be a genius to know that that what was going on there, hundreds of people packed in like really old school packed in to a bar with no masks is bad. And so uh, I really think DeSantis is not going to allow a full-scale shutdown, and I don't think anybody wants a full-scale shutdown. But no. what you do need is an enforcement mechanism for those people. Like, when I say well, those people, I mean people who obviously aren't smart enough to protect themselves. The casino-goer, hopefully, there's some yeah. enforcement mechanisms they want to play, Right. Then but that, do that the right was thing. all that was all uh, posted on social media and they got shut down like two days after we saw that stuff online. They did get shut down because they couldn't open control. in a right way. They admitted and acknowledged that they couldn't control it. I think these casinos can control it and they've done a pretty good job of controlling it. And of all the places that are out there that are super spreader events, for instance, you can't go anywhere without seeing the the big spreader events are localized small home events, you know, families. Like, we've pretty much got it, I don't want to say totally figured out, but figured out pretty well in public places where everybody does the right thing. The problem is the kid who goes to the wharf and then goes home and hangs with his dad and then gives it to his dad. That's where we are now. So I'm not really concerned about a big casino or the hard rock. They've got a uh, they've got a plan that's working. I'm concerned about all the other things like yeah. a bar and a bunch of kids from college come in there and they've lose their minds for a day and oops, now you have a flare up. That's where we are I think in this thing. Well, plus we have Thanksgiving now and we got uh, you know Fauci saying uh, don't if you go home don't come back to school. It's not a good idea. But most of these people have just, uh, you know, well, wiped their hands with that. Well, I don't know about the rest of the of the, of the country, but I know that my nieces and nephews, um, uh, one of them is at USF and the other is at UCF. And um, uh, the the USF, they're done as far as, you know, my nephew's staying here now until, yeah. until January when the next semester starts. Well, my that's, niece, that's a my smart niece, thing. My niece has to go back to take two tests. But it's just a matter of going in to take two tests and then come straight back home. So yeah. hopefully, I don't know if that's the case throughout the country with other universities, but at least that's what they're doing here. There yeah. needs to be an enforcement mechanism. You know, carrots and sticks, always. The carrot is we get to stay open. We all want to stay open. Nobody wants to close. And I think the numbers and the science all say that we can as long as... People do the right thing. And then what's the right what's the what's the the stick for the person who comes into your casino, guys, and refuses to do the right thing, is not socially distanced, is all over the place, taking off their mask, claiming their freedom is the reason that person will ultimately be the reason 
that we have to close down in certain areas. Well, so yeah. there should be a, pun- while a punishment. Talk, while, while we're talking about this, I didn't want to give this short, short shrift, but you mentioned last week, Joe, that you had tested positive. Right. And uh, you are out of work right now, at, uh, quarantining. Uh, you told me you had a test coming up, and if it's negative, you might be able to get right back to work. But uh, you haven't had very serious symptoms. Uh, just give us a quick update on how you're feeling. Uh, um, thank, thanks for concern, guys. Um, thank God, you know, myself, my daughter, my wife, um, we're all symptom-free. You know, none of us, thank God, went through anything serious. I know my daughter and my wife had a slight, you know, cold. And, and when I'm telling you that I have had colds that have been 10 times worse than anything that I've gone through over these almost two weeks now that I've, you know, that I tested positive for, for the, for COVID, um, still have, I have regained some sense of smell on certain, certain fragrances, certain things, uh, on others. I still, can, I still can't smell perfume or cologne. Can you taste uh, I can taste everything that's sweet. I can taste, and I can probably taste half of stuff that's kind of seasoned, like the more that has the saltier style of taste. Um, I'll give you an example. Today I had a turkey sandwich for lunch. I couldn't really taste the turkey, but ham I could taste. Uh, wow. You know, uh, it's, it's uh, again, very strange because my wife, has a little bit more loss than I do. I've, I've, I've recovered it, and my daughter's got it almost completely back. I can smell the coffee now when I have coffee in the morning. Um, uh, certain candles that are burning in the house, I can smell them now. Um, again, uh, toothpaste has been since day one. <laughs> I'm brushing my teeth. I'm brushing my teeth, and I'm looking. I'm going, man, I want to make sure I'm not putting some other some other crap in my mouth because it, it doesn't taste real good. Yeah. But uh, other than that, you know, thank God. But, um, you know, I, tomorrow is the day that I will be going to get retested again for the second time. And uh, hopefully by, I don't know if the uh, site's going to be open for Thanksgiving, but either Thanksgiving night or Friday, I'll be able to find out if, if, if okay. I'm still tested positive. So. Well, we wish you all the best, obviously. And uh, thank please, you. Please uh, keep me posted here. Uh, let's take a break here on the show. I want to turn things back to poker. So we want to take a break on the show. We'll do it with that. And uh, don't forget that you can always pick up the show on uh, any place you uh, get your podcast. We'd love to have you send me a, drop me an email, let you know what you're thinking about the show. Uh, Lemon Dave at yahoo.com L E M M O N Dave at yahoo.com. Uh, you can always go on one of the sites like SoundCloud or Spotify, uh, rate the show, give us a review. We would appreciate that as well. Or you can uh, go to a couple of the other places we've been talking about over the years, the Hold'em Radio Network, uh, Poker Fuse podcast page, still carrying us as well, and a few other places. So uh, uh, we're out there, and uh, we'll see what happens as we move into the fall season, and uh, we'll see what happens with the World Series of Poker uh, new online, quote, hybrid event. I want to talk a little bit about that when we come back and maybe a couple other strategy items as well. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be back with more of the show when we return after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. 
This game is now available worldwide on the internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boys' eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky, the eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on their royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Show Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, and uh, we'll finish up here the t- this afternoon as we do the show uh, a little bit early today. And uh, from our point of view, anyway, uh, I want to get to some of that update with uh, uh, the two big matches. Uh, Joe might have to duck out a little bit early, and I came across some ideas of things to discuss real quick, so maybe we'll do that first. Uh, there are uh, certain uh, topics that people discuss online and i i thought it would be interesting just getting your opinion since you play online poker uh a good bit and uh i was curious to see if you use the chat box on some of those games at all joe uh not really i i I did when i first started playing it you know making comments uh trying to be trying to be social. social yeah exactly you know Somebody, every now and then somebody would say, nice hand, I thank you, and I would respond to something like that, um, you know. But for me, it, it was much harder for someone like myself, Dave, which I'm trying to concentrate, and it's hard for self for me to, you know, the game doesn't stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, 
and um, and they don't wait for you. You know. Well, you're, obviously, you're we know you occasionally you get an a hole on there that that likes to stir up trouble. Uh, do you just ignore them, or does that affect you at all? Put you on tilt at all? No, because you know everyone has the option of shutting the chat down, Dave. So right. you know if you don't want to hear a comment from somebody, you know if it's if it's if it gets to that point where it's upsetting you. Usually I would just laugh my ass off at most of the comments that, that were being said there, you know, when you did have some a-hole uh, just, you know, just going off. And some of, some of the players were very talented and very uh, funny in their, in their responses to them. Um, and, you know, you answer with the, the, uh, the LOL sign there, but uh, right, for me, right. I usually just, you know, uh, either shut the chat off if it was becoming too distracting for me or just not pay attention to it at all. Uh, the other thing I wanted to run by you was uh, this practice that some people exercise on there, whether it's because they want to back into a win or, you know, obviously people need to sit out of certain games. That's my, my question. Sitting out of a game. Uh, you know, if you're making dinner or you need to go to the bathroom or something and you sit out for a few minutes, not a big deal. But some people will be gone. They'll get in the game, and then they're gone for like 20, 30 minutes. What is your opinion about that in online poker? Well, it's like anything in a, in a regular room. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest problems that we have, especially even now when, like, as you mentioned, six, seven-handed. You get two people that get up to grab something to eat. Another one gets up to have a smoke, and all of a sudden you have a very short table. The rest of your players get upset. Um, when you have a long waiting list, Believe it or not, Dave, you don't have that problem because right, you right. usually have second man walking rule or third man walking, and and ple- people adhere to that. Down here in South Florida, it's it's a completely different world as opposed to probably the rest of the United States, um, because I don't see that problem anywhere else. Now online, Dave, if you're playing in a cash game, they give you a certain amount of time before you are picked right. up. Right. Now, if you're in a tournament, well, guess what? You It's like any other tournament. You want to get up from a tournament table now and, and a brick and mortar? That's fine. Go ahead and do it. Phil Helmuth is famous, you know, for coming in an hour or two hours late from the start of a tournament. His chips are on the table. They've been blinding him. You understand? Right. So when he gets in there, he's short stacked. You know, he's well, shorter stacked. You understand? But um, in a tournament, same thing happens. Online. You get, we've discussed this before, you get knocked offline, okay? Um, All of a sudden, uh, in a tournament, they're just constantly blinding you off. When you do log back on, if you have not lost all your chips, you immediately go to wherever. And, you know, obviously, depending on how many chips you had and how long you were off, uh, lets you know how many people have been eliminated since you were last there. So you could be at a completely different table and not know any of the players that you've been playing, you know, that, that are there. Um, when that does happen in a cash game, uh, they do give you, I think, a little extra time to try to log back onto your table. But after a certain amount of time, they, you know, they, they just take you off the table, Dave. So it isn't, it isn't a big issue. What the bigger issue is, is the people constantly taking the full amount of time before they make their decision and then hitting the extended period time. That I think is what's most annoying to, to, 
to the large majority of poker players. Okay. Well, let's move on. Uh, you read the articles about the uh, Polk Negreanu match and that Bill Perkins, who is a well-known high roller, uh, has a very huge bet on this. And he chimed in and said that there was a discussion there where they needed to pause the match. And I think it had something to do with using some outside note-taking uh, services uh, that uh, one player was angry about and the other. Uh, did you read much of that? Yes, I did. I did read that. It was high hand. Uh, the, the, what it was was, being that you're playing heads up, Dave. Uh, um, um, oh, my God. I forgot the name. Uh, Doug, Doug Polk. Paul, Doug Polk was looking up on one of the apps that allows you to, to you know, that calculates how many times uh, Negrano was defending his big blind right. to a raise. You understand? Uh-huh. So they were looking at those numbers. If, you know, which is for top notch, you know, players like this, you know, if, if you see that Daniel isn't defending his big blind aggressively, you know, or, or at least 50% of the time, you're, you're going to, it's like that three point shot in the NBA now that, you know, statistics tell you, you know, 40% of that is better than 52% of two point shots, whatever you're going to constantly raise his big blind and force him to either play, you know, outside of his comfort level or something else. Apparently, they both agreed not to use this. Uh, according to what I read, they came to an agreement or, you know, that both both um, both sides now have access or, or not using it, you know, whatever the agreement was prior to the start of this match that they had. Well, I guess there was some sort of technicality in that uh, WSOP.com says that you cannot use software that collects hand histories and uh, aggregates uh, data, but he was doing it manually, writing it down uh, on certain, some of these tendencies of the percentage that uh, Negrano folded his button. So that seems to be a little bit different point. And I think he's still allowed to do that, right? They they could do that. Uh, You know, they could, it's like anything else. It's more like your mind and and on those sites, you can, um, you know, you could take notes, you know, and leave notes on players and so on. Obviously, this goes way past the note. You know, this is this is you trying to get some information, uh, you know, percentage wise. Um, so, you know, they did come to some sort of agreement on it. So, you know, uh, Daniel was happy with whatever agreement right. they came to. And I remember him saying in the thing that, hey, it's fair now. So. Yeah. And he did say he had a funny line. He said the use of an abacus or fingers for counting is permissible. <laughs> that is correct. That uh, is if, correct. if you want to know where that stands, they basically played about just under 3,800 hands. One hand, and, one hand short of that. And uh, exactly. And Polk uh, actually leads by a little over $26,000. So uh, still a long way to go. We're talking about 25,000 hands and we'll be playing at least into December, maybe even into January. So, uh, but there have been a lot of swings of uh, over two hundred thousand dollars, one way or the other. So, uh, there's been some excitement. It has, and uh, you know, for me, I think that's great for both of them. Twenty six thousand is is for thirty eight hundred hands. 
is not a whole lot of money, you know, at the level and the stakes that these gentlemen are playing at. So. Okay. The other thing I wanted to quickly mention was the Galfon Challenge, where Phil Galfon right now is playing Chance Corneth, and there was a really a crazy hand, uh, a cooler that uh, that went on in last week. Um, Give us a little uh, background on that one, Joe. If you, do you have it in well, front of they you? Well, they were playing uh, – yeah, I, I, you got me for about another two or three minutes, and then I'm, unfortunately, folks, I have to run. But that was an, actually a really good hand. They were playing Omaha, Dave. So they were – it wasn't Hold'em. They were playing Omaha, uh, high only. And um, uh, Galfon was holding pocket a pair of nines and a pair of fours, uh, which – for me, is usually a very terrible hand to have, but uh, they're playing heads up, I, I believe. And um, there was a the four on the flop. The I know. flop came queen, four deuce. The deuce and the four were spades. The turn was the six of spades. Okay, uh, which at that point, you know, what Galfon didn't know was that he was completely crushed at that point, right there. Right. And 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 his absolute worst worst card that could happen came up on the river, which was the four, giving him quads, meaning that his opponent needed to have the three and five of spades in his hand to lose. And that's exactly what his opponent had in his hand. So I mean so getting the four and making quads was really the worst possible scenario. No, the I mean the absolute worst because the the only other card that would have probably told him he he might have the winning hand was if a deuce came because if the six had paired up, uh, if it had come runner, runner, six, or the queen had hit, you know, if he gets raised, he's thinking, well, oh, shit, they, they probably have a higher full house than my four is full. <laughs> Once that four hit, that was the case four hit. That was, you could, the other guy, let's put it this way, Chance could have asked for a better card in the deck to be put up there. Is there any way, is there any way Phil could have got away from that? I, you know. I, he is playing a great player. He's, I doubt that he could get away from that because at worst case, I mean, you know, he's probably thinking, oh, he's got queens full. You know, he slow played the, the right. set of queens on the flop, and now he's got the nut flu, uh, full house, but I've got him crushed with the quads. You know, this is just, this is just one of those where... <laughs> is, is, is there a chance that there is no way he uh, realized that there was a possible straight flush out there? No, he... I mean, listen... He may not have thought that. Like I said, his his thought process may have been, oh, this guy pushed in on me. He's got a full house, six is full, queen's full, you know. Um, I, I'm sure, you know, he's going, really? Is he going to have a 3-5? But when you're playing heads up, you're playing just about any four cards. Uh, you know, um, again, uh it's it's strange. I don't think there's anybody in the world that could get away from that hand, Dave. Yeah. I just there's just you know no indic and the betting structure, the way they went about it was great. You know, uh, you're just not putting your pan opponent. If it was a scenario where it was three consecutive cards, where let's say it was a uh, five, six, seven of spades, well, it's a lot easier for your opponent to have the eight, nine, the three, you know, the three, four, the four, eight. There's a lot more straight flush possibility cards out there that your opponent can have multiple cards to have a straight flush in this particular case with the two, four and six out there, you know, that's it. That's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it has to be the three and the five of spades. So I don't, I know I couldn't have gotten away from that hand, you know, 
Okay. Well, I guess we can let you go. I know yes, you have sir. to do. Yes, sir. I'm so and, sorry, uh, guys. No I, I apologize, but uh, I hope to be back here next week, guys. And uh, everybody have a wonderful uh, week. Okay. Uh, we got a few minutes left in the show, and I'll talk with uh, Joe Costello a little. Uh, bring this uh, – this uh, Rounders, uh, Ed Norton uh, tweet in and also talk about uh, what we both feared politically was that we were going to have a severe constitutional crisis with Trump not leaving office. That still could happen, but at least in the last week, things have changed a lot and you got to feel better about that. Well, I think the market feels better going yeah. over 30,000 today. Uh, what is it? Uncertainty. People just don't like uncertainty. And here in the United States of America, We've lived a certain way for sir, for all our lives, and we've never experienced certain things. And the prospect of a questionable transition, I don't think anybody liked that idea. Uh, people who are supporters of the current president, people who are supporters of the next president, you want to know you're going to have stability. And for a while, we didn't know that. And now we know. And it, look at look at what happens. Everybody exhales and you see the markets shoot up and you see a, a sense of calm. Maybe that's overstating it, but come over so many different people. And that's that's good. People, new administration going to get to work. Current administration, they're welcome to run again. You know, who knows what they're going to do. But the crisis part of it, I feel like at least now that has been averted. What about uh, Biden supporters? Obviously, they kind of hung back and they said, well, hopefully this is what will happen. So they got to be very happy. Uh, but will there be any long term effects when you look at Republicans that didn't stand up to Trump? There were a few that did, but uh, there's a great number that still haven't mentioned anything. You look at Mitch McConnell and a few of the major senators uh, really haven't found any fault with him. And uh, they're still afraid of him, I guess. Well, of course. And. What we need is a new sense of unified uh, government and sentiment from everybody. That is not going to happen overnight. There's going to have to be work and effort put in. And I like to consider myself middle of the road as best as is possible. And I have so many diehard supporters of both sides, like really emotional supporters. And when you go through like this a defeat you're going to feel it for a while. It's going to yeah. bother you. And think of all those Bernie Sanders people. And when he lost, they hated Joe Biden for a couple of months. They hated him. And right. they'll never vote for Joe Biden ever. And then they did. Uh, similar situation right here. Joe Biden is going to have to show, extend the, uh, the olive branch to those people and be like, hey, look, like obviously his, can which he, his, which cabinet, he's trying to do. his cabinet picks – yeah. Uh, the the Trump supporters that I like, they were afraid of, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren and all these names, these socialist names. They thought that AOC was going to be made, uh, you know, high exalted leader of the world. And that didn't happen. And yeah. so it's just going to take time. And finally, you, you know, the fear factor. We all know that uh, President Trump used fear as a motivator. If you don't, then I'll. Do this. I'll take this away from you. I'll remove your fund funding. I'll I'll do this to you. That's that's his style, right? And there's other styles, but that's his style. That style only works when you're in power. That only works uh, when you have power. When you're out of power and you're just a guy, and you maybe have a show or you have it, it works 
less well. So we'll just have to see, Dave. But in, in the end, it doesn't matter. None of it matters until we get past the virus. That's the, yeah, the thing tripping exactly. up everything that we care about. Well, one last question. A lot of talk today about pardons, not only because of the turkeys getting pardoned, but uh, uh, the other uh, you know, Trump sycophants that probably will be pardoned. Uh, if he goes whole hog on this, and not trying not trying to bring up too many uh, Thanksgiving references, but uh, huh. if he if he eliminates uh, or if he does pardon uh, Paul Manafort, uh, Michael Flynn, members of his own family, uh, himself. Will that make you angry? I fully expect it. I fully expect it. I expect uh, everything. I'm to the point where it's just part of doing business with that administration, of course. Uh, I fully expect pardons for anybody that has done anything. Of course, they will maintain that they've done nothing wrong. Um, so, but but I fully expect it. I'm not surprised by anything. I'm just kind of going about my business and seeing what happens. What surprised me more was what happened at the wharf the other day, where 5,000 people went in there without masks as if it was yeah. normal. Yeah. I, I uh, you know, garden variety uh, political corruption drain the swamp. Everybody hates it, regardless of party. But then when it's their guy, they look the other way. And that's what's happening. Can you pardon yourself? I don't think you can pardon yourself. I don't think a presidential pardon applies to the president, and I don't think that uh, that will happen. But I also don't expect the Biden administration to go backwards because yeah. because that's just not the Democrats' style to their to their detriment. Right? A lot of people think that they are weak because they won't go back and prosecute crimes. Yeah, and, I don't think I don't think he'll do that either. No, uh, but which is why it's such a good step for unity. It's yeah. such a good step for unity. And if they do go back and the Justice Department finds some sort of egregious crime, which they may or may not, um, you know, then we'll have to see at the time. But well, it's not like if he if he does take that that position that uh, Trump is going to appreciate that. But really, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because it's all it's it's we're talking about the future versus talking about the past. We've got 60 days left of this. The term lame duck is a a term that's been applied many times in the past where you are the president now, but you're not going to be the president in the future. And so everybody gets excited about what is going to happen in the future. Here's what we need. We need everybody, regardless of party, to put pressure on their direct elected professional uh, uh, representatives to do something about the economy of the United States of America immediately during this lame duck deal Uh, because the economic situation for everybody out there is getting worse. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And so why let it totally turn to crap when we don't have to? Let's get some help in the pipeline and hope for better things. You know, I I believe that that's the opinion of the person who is centrist and as little partisan as possible. Uh, I think we, I think we got enough time in and uh, we can go ahead and close things out here. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm often a negative person, but I, I don't, I'm not looking forward to the next uh, two months. We'll see what happens. Anyway, that's going to do it for the show. Uh, Thank you for your contributions. Appreciate uh, Joe and everything. Glad to hear he's feeling better and uh, things will be good. We'll keep uh, hoping that things get better down here in South Florida for the poker rooms as well. That's going to do it for us. We'll catch you next week on another edition of Poker Action Live. 
The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 